0: The lady voice, when it comes to sex, you're valuable because someone wants to have sex with you. When you're seated in your humanity, there is recognition of your inherent value. This creates a sense of safety in sex, which is the path to deep pleasure.
1: Welcome to the Lady Voice podcast. Dismantle the patriarchy in your mind with Danielle and Jenny. Fuck yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Don't cut out the fuck yeahs, okay? No. <laughs> okay, I'm
0: <won't>. um. up. <laughs> Lady voice and sex. Objectification really is pushing an idea of sexiness, the surface sexiness that is only sexy like one or two times with someone. And after that, sexual pleasure starts to go downhill. You can't maintain a heightened sense of excitement when you're outside of yourself. And I think this is what leads to dramatic relationships why people love the push pull struggle in a relationship because that is what starts to create excitement around sex i think a lot of people don't feel comfortable delving into places in themselves your unconscious mind just things that hurt you we don't want to have to keep reliving these experiences so we're staying on the surface of something and Staying on the surface feels safer.
1: Yeah. And I think it's like the pattern to avoid the going back into the trauma or to think you're moving forward from the trauma is to choose the thing that really soothes you and, and makes it's like a different form of the same pattern. So it's, sometimes it's not recognizable, mm-hmm. but you go in and choose something that's going to soothe you in the way that you know how to access it. So like I did this yesterday where I like said yes to a date with someone because I'm feeling like, I just want to have like a happy, loving experience. <laughs> I was like, I don't need, I don't know if it, you know, I don't need it forever. I just like want to have a happy, loving experience with a person, you know? And then I go to this thing and I have this date and I'm like, what am I even doing? Like, this is just <laughs> a band-aid. This is actually not what I'm looking for. But that's like the, that's like the trauma that I'm trying to move away from even with with sex too, like I want sex to like, I want it to be just something I can just do anytime I want and like have a great experience. But I'm like moving out of that ability to have this like, yay, like high, heightened experience. Cause now I'm just like, this person cannot meet me where I want to be met. And I think the more that you like go in to yourself and find places that you really love and that like, like you really can come alive. And it's like, maybe the more choosy you become because who's going to meet you there has got to like
0: match you in a completely different frequency. Right. Well, I think it's the more, you know, yourself in this place, when you start standing up in yourself in adulthood, (laughs) I think adulthood is standing up in yourself. (laughs) I don't think it's buying a house or,
1: you know, doing things. Yeah.
0: Yeah, Like you had three kids, you're an adult. I don't think that's real necessarily. Maybe, but also maybe not. Uh, I think adulthood is you're standing up in yourself. And the more you do that, the more you're spending time getting to know who you actually are. You're taking yourself out of objectification cultural objectification. And this is all of us, right? We're all objectified. We're being put in so many different boxes culturally. The box is objectification and it's a limitation on your experience, what you're allowed or capable of experiencing within that box. And as you start to stand up out of all of the boxes (laughs) and you're like, who am I? What is the point of this? Truly, like true self-inquiry. I feel like to have casual sex with someone, it isn't a meeting on all the levels you, where you've met yourself. It feels like to spend time with someone intimately where there is no actual intimacy <laughs> is so draining. It's like more work than it's worth. It feels like having to... um Invest in a sinkhole. I mean, it, like speaking of like transactions, right? <laughs> like, I'm just like throwing money yeah. into like a sinkhole. It doesn't feel like worth my time.
1: It does when you're not fully in yourself. It does. It feels like security, it feels like comfort on a certain level that like would be totally, it would be totally terrifying to let go of that thing when you don't have like full access to yourself or you don't feel entirely secure or content with your own self.
0: Yeah. I think that's like the insecure attachment theory, you know, like you're clinging to something outside of you as your, your lifeboat, so to speak, like anything You know, we have so many stories that are fed to us of like, here's what you do in life. And you just go along and you check off the boxes and you find your partner and then you do this and you do this. So you're really caught up in these, in the story. You're not educating yourself on yourself. And I feel like the level of intimacy I've like created in my own life with myself and with my friends, and uh, I, it's like just to go out and casually date at this point or casually have <laughs> sex, just feels like why would I do why that? Why would like, I do that? <laughs> yeah, truly, like every friend I'm invested in in my life is on this path of like working towards a secure. Attachment with themselves. And that's why I vibe with them. <laughs> why I'm drawn to them. Yeah. It's this kind of conversation. So, in a relationship that's insecurely attached or codependent, you have two objects coming together in a performance where transactions are the currency. Frustration then is criticism of. A performance that there isn't just blind acceptance of someone's performance, hostility then arises because you are performing to the best of your ability. So, in internalized objectification, you're coming at this person like, I am the best girlfriend, I am the best boyfriend, I am the best wife, I am the best husband that I can be. And so, you're performing (laughs) this idea of a label that you believe is accurate and what the other person wants but in our last podcast we were talking about alternate universes (laughs) so we all have reality and we all have this like sort of alternate universe that we're creating in our mind of like what's next where we want to go what's actually happening whatever and it's the idea of the label for you is in that alternate universe like If you were to eavesdrop on couples counseling, you're going to hear a lot of these stories like, well, I am doing everything that a husband should do. I am doing everything that a wife should do. And then the other person's like, you're not meeting my needs. And so the frustration there is, I am performing and you're judging my performance. And performance, though, is an issue. Like to perform, isn't intimacy. Performance is perpetuating insecurity with yourself and with your partner. So what happens if you stop performing and you take your mask off? That's sort of like standing up in the box of your relationship. You're like, I can't do this <laughs> anymore. Or like, what happens if you just stop pretending?
1: I was just gonna say, like, it makes me think about the roles that we embody in our partnerships that almost feel like just kind of a natural thing that we slip into. This could be like same gender relationships or, you Mm -hmm. know, different gendered relationships, any kind. It's like we move into this role. And then for a while, maybe we can like stand up in that role and be that person. But a role is not a a full human, you know, a role is an objectified human who can't sustain that place. And so it's like, once you, but, but we have this idea that we have to keep trying to like fit into that role to make the thing work. But you, you're you right. It's not, it's never going to be an, inti- it's never going to be intimacy. It's never going to be a place where two people can actually connect and grow when they're trying to just carry out these roles that seem to like habitually make sense without even really examining them. Mm-hmm. So I guess my invitation would be to like ask yourself the question, like, where am I in a role and with whom this could be like any kind of relationship in your life. It doesn't have to be romantic, but like how, and how am I trying to fit into that role? What would happen if I like let that role dissolve and just let myself be a full and complete human? I mean, it's terrifying because your relationships will break down probably if they're built on roles, you know? Mm-hmm. But I think that is like, So essential to actually having real, honest, intimate connection with another human. Because if you don't do that, everything is like uh, a connection on the surface level. You're not getting to the depths of the other person. And that's like, you know, you're talking about hostility and where that comes out. It's like, that's why that emerges, is because you're not, we're not connecting from the depths of ourselves. (laughs) You know, we're connecting from up here, like high up the surface level, and we don't actually know each other. And then like, what is, what is sex at that level? It's like, you're not actually encountering that person. It's like two physical bodies showing up and playing out a drama where two people are safe in these roles, supposedly, but that's like, then it's severely unsafe when you hit into those like really deep places that are unexamined
0: unexposed. And that's where it's disastrous. Whenever we meet a new person that we connect with, it could be any relationship, but specifically right now in the context of a romantic connection, we find a part of ourselves. It's like the newness of it. Maybe the oxytocin rush, like all of the things puts us in ourselves we like feel a part of ourselves that we're like excited to reconnect with and I think it happens to both parties and so you're getting a glimpse of this person's like potential (laughs) you're getting a glimpse of like where this could go and that's really exciting it's not surface level usually it's like combustible you know like attraction that intensity it breaks the surface for a little while. I have a theory that the average relationship that is a three-week window. (laughs) I love this theory because it's proven true in my life. It's proven true. (laughs) Three weeks, you're looking at a sort of come down of the initial high of the meeting and you find the place in yourself, you left off in your last experience. So whatever your last experience was with a person in this context, you go back there. You can't like, it's sort of, it is exactly like doing a psychedelic, right? You do a psychedelic and you're like, mind blown and you see it all. And it's real. Like you really are getting it. And you're like getting this big picture and you're like, yeah, they're, I have no problems now. I have solved all of my problems here. We just <laughs> and, stay here for and then and you forever. come back down to yourself. And what you come back to is like your fear mind. You come back to this place that isn't aware of the epiphany you just had. It's, we're so compartmentalized <laughs> because of objectification. Um, the way that our society objectifies us. And Another word for that is domestication. Through your domestication process, you are a compartmentalized human. And so you have this like mind-blowing experience. It could be sex, it could be psilocybin. (laughs) And you see the truth, you see the potential, you see all the things slowly, 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 you come back down to yourself. If you're coming off psilocybin, it's within 24 hours. (laughs) If you're coming (laughs) off of that initial sex rush, you're like about three weeks. And there's an interesting thing that I see happen here. There's a moment of like, maybe this isn't what I want. Maybe it's like the first flags of the relationship are becoming obvious to you. And you don't want to see them because you just saw the full potential. And that isn't a lie. The potential is not ever a lie. It's just what people want to choose. So you are like, well, I'm just going to ignore these flags and try to stay in this high zone for a while. And, um, you know, that experience compounded by the idea of the one, this fairy tale you are also feeling fear. There's like an underlying anxiety that's there that you're going to push away. You'll find these different shame voices there. Like maybe you're not good at relationships. Maybe that's one of your shame voices. Like you're not good at this. You're selfish. You, you know, or you're not doing a good enough job to make this person want to choose you. You know, it could go either direction. Um, It could be that like, you've dated a lot and you're tired of dating and like yet again, you come to this place of like, well, here I am. And this isn't really working. What am I going to do this time? You know? So it's like the ways we'll gaslight ourselves into staying in a situation that maybe should have just been sex for three weeks.
1: (laughs) Yeah. That voice that says we can make this work. Right. Do you hear my tone? Do you you hear how high that lady lady voice? (laughs) <laughs> because that's what you—that's what you do. You follow the thread, and relationships are hard. You really have to work at them. You know, like just this those voices. Hard. I remember saying that when I like um first met like a very long-term partner. I—I I, th- there was so much that we were like working through, and I was thinking, like, "This is good. It's challenging me to be like to really grow as a person. This is amazing. <laughs> this is amazing." But it wasn't. It was just like a lot of self-criticism. It's like I so now I could reframe that, but like and look at it differently. But then it was like, nope, this is how relationships go. They push you to grow. They push you to grow. <laughs>
0: they really do. <laughs> but it's like, what is your definition of growth? If we didn't have the concept of the one and you were in this experience with someone,
1: oh yeah, it'd be so much better. Yeah, you appreciate it then.
0: Yeah. Well, and even if it ended at three weeks, you'd be like, nice to meet you. You know, (laughs) this is a great time. Thank you for stopping by. (laughs) You know, (laughs) yeah,
1: I learned so much and that's great. And now I can let go.
0: So it is sort of like a, a psychedelic trip because you do learn a lot. There is a lot of insight in those three weeks. And If you were looking at those three weeks as like insight into yourself, you can uncover a lot. We need to have relationships for self understanding. You cannot understand who you are without understanding. And this is something I said in our last podcast you can't understand the boundary line of you without understanding another person. Like the person is the idea that a person is a reflection of you, a person is reflecting your boundary lines, right? Like you're, if you are not being in a codependent relationship with someone, you're understanding these lines and it's through the understanding of lines that is self-awareness, self-discovery, these external boundaries. And the more you're exploring those external boundaries, the more in you're able to go the idea is always in or out and you want to go in. So if you're in a combustible situation, if you're in a volatile relationship, a dramatic relationship, a codependent relationship, there isn't space for your inner landscape. You're really surface, you're staying out. And depending on your role in the relationship, the It might be that someone is taking your sense of security by not being as codependent as you want them to be. It could be that someone's trying to take your autonomy by asking you to be more codependent, regardless of where you're at in the cycle, it's this push-pull dynamic. And when you're in a push-pull dynamic with someone, you cannot go in and all the answers are in for every human, the answer is to go in. And when I say in, it's like being autonomous, knowing who you are truly, like understanding yourself in every role you're taking on, understanding uh, how you actually feel about the situations in your life. You know, we get caught up in the transactions and this like surface level drama. Yeah, I hear that. I have a belief that it's in not belonging to someone. It's in the desiring to be with someone that the deepest presence in yourself and in this other person can manifest. And to be present with someone you truly want like that you actually are desiring. You're not clinging to this false sense of safety, not like clinging to this bullshit idea of forever. You're not clinging to an idea of ownership just to show up vulnerable every day with someone. I feel like that level of relating is what life is actually about. And in a healthy friendship, that's what's happening, right? Like On in a healthy, like parent child relationship, that's what's happening. There's just like a desire to spend time with this person. You just genuinely enjoy their presence, and there's no expectations. There's no idea of like, you owe me. And so you're not performing, spending time with this person. It feels so
1: good. The other day, I was walking out of a store with my son and we were just like walking in silence. We were parked pretty far away from the store and we had to walk for a while. We don't usually just like walk side by side and it was uh, warm outside and he had gotten a new toy and we were just walking in silence next to each other for several minutes. And I just like felt this overwhelming love for him. I was like, I just love you so much. And he's like, I love you too, mom. And then I said, I can't remember how the exchange exactly went, but I said, How does it feel when I tell you I love you? He says, It's fine. <laughs> he was like, he's like, I was like, Do you do you care if I say that to you? Like, do you like when I tell you that or not? Like, you don't care. He's like, I don't care. <laughs> he's like, yeah. He's like, Yeah, you just know it, right? He's like, Yeah. I, that's it. You just know it. And it was like, yeah, that's like how it feels to be with someone you really love. Like, you don't have to perform in a way, perform loving tasks. You don't have to like, you know, bring them roses or like clean their house or like, do you know what I mean? You don't have to do yeah. things for that person or take them on a date. It's not about the things. It's about Those presence. things can be
0: nice, but that's not love. No, it's presence. And you know, you can be doing all those things and never be present with a person. It's sort of shocking to me. Um, I was in my internship and, uh, I just saw so many couples during that time coming in with health crises. Like, you know, it's like a certain age, I guess, where these things start to manifest and break down within the human system. And, And it would be like the couples that came in together. There was almost like a sense with some of them that they didn't even actually know each other. I got a sense with a lot of people that... um, you know, maybe they had wanted their partner to have an interest in them and then their partner didn't. And the sicker the person, the more isolated they felt, which I found to be interesting. And it's not to say that isolation is what causes the illness, but it is interesting to me, the studies that are done on the idea of isolation and the nervous system and how the nervous system, you know, it dictates everything. It dictates how you're going to respond to life. And there is an impact on nervous system health and your immune system. And so the people that did not feel connected, the way they managed their illness, the way they uh, approached their recovery, everything was different than the people who had a more secure attachment with their partner. And there was one guy that came in, he was single and he just had so many health crises, some of them real and some of them in his mind. He was very much a hypochondriac and he was just like mad. One day he came in and he was like, My dad was told he's a bill of health. <laughs> like, my dad is 87 and he drinks whiskey every day and he still smokes cigarettes. He's so mad about this. And he's like, I want my dad to come in here and I want you guys to look at him and I want you to tell me what's going on with him. We see his parents, both of them show up about two months later and he's there with them. And his dad's so healthy (laughs) and his parents are so happy and they're so supportive of each other. And they're both late 80s and they're doing really well in life. And their son, sitting there is so outside of that relationship and it was almost like looking at this dynamic this triangle these two people were so codependent but in a way that like really hit all of their needs like maybe over the course of their 50-year marriage they had learned to like break the surface and go really deep with each other or deep enough right like they were really bonded and there was no room in that bond for their offspring. And this kid is sitting here and you just see him as like, you can see like this three-year-old version of him, just like on the outside of that love. And I, I don't know what was happening in his childhood with them. The way objectification is working and playing out in a romantic partnership there might not be space for one of the objects to truly parent, right? Because there can be a sense of jealousy with the other partner, or there can be a total neglect on like an emotional level of the offspring, because there's just so much like you're being so caught up in this experience with your partner. So whatever it was, it doesn't mean his parents were like bad people, but you can see, It was like so clear that he felt on the outside of this love. He was an only child. He didn't feel connected. There are all sorts of reasons why illness manifests in the body. You have genes, you have lack of resources, you have toxins. Like there's so many reasons why people get sick. And so it's not to minimize illness. There is a component about like your sense of security with the people you are spending time with that has a huge impact on health. And so you could have a diagnosis, but you feel like you have a sense of community. You feel like people support you. There's higher probability you're going to come through that experience differently than a person who feels completely isolated and alone.
1: Yeah. And I think the isolation and aloneness comes through the objectification, like of the other person and yourself. Mm-hmm. It keeps you isolated and not connected. Yeah. To your community. I mean, I guess that feels like um just like the most chronic problem that like Western society generally has. Maybe I could say like white culture, white people culture, mm-hmm. or that's like super individualistic and You know, moving away from our families of origin, like being really far away, um, nuclear families, having babies with like, you know, just two parents being the only people who raise a child or multiple children, no No support, support. or you have to pay for your support, you have to pay for your support. So it's actually not real connection because everybody's an object in that transaction. (laughs) And it's like, nobody's needs are actually being
0: Met. If you're looking at this through the context of co-creative expression, rather than codependency, you meet someone, you have the explosion of hormones, <laughs> and you're like, "I see the potential here, and I want it." Co-creative is two people being individuals in touch with their humanity. And there's already a dialogue happening within those three weeks. It's not total oblivion. It's like, okay, well, why do you want it? Like, how do I know I can trust you here? What is this for you? This is what it is for me. And that conversation is the foundation of your relationship. So you're able to carry this momentum into the next phase, which is, I do want to settle down now. I can't maintain this intensity, right? Like first few weeks, it's just like yeah, it's just like super heightened intensity. And that is supposed to settle. And so if you're in objectification, the settling creates anxiety because you're not being a sexual object. Like maybe you're not sexy enough. Or you're go the other way where you're like really mad that sex suddenly feels like a pressure point. <laughs> Like, I'm supposed to have sex with you. Well, we've only been together like four months. Like, why don't you want to have sex with me? So then you're already in this like push-pull dynamic, right? Co-creative expression. You're having a conversation. There's always space for someone to not want to have sex. And that's sexy, right? That
1: is so sexy. That is so sexy. Oh my gosh.
0: (laughs) Oh my God. One of the worst things I've heard. I've heard a lot of bad things, but this one was extra. So I cannot remember why this video came to my attention, but it was a woman who was giving a talk to like, it was like in the context of like Christian leadership. Yeah. So my husband, you know, he came to bed and I'm like, Oh, is he going to want to have sex right now? Like, I don't want to have sex. So she's like miming, like holding the blanket up to her neck. Right. And then he like does his, Thing, which like oh my god if someone did that to me he like does his touch not sexual it's like <laughs> like tapping and then she keeps the blankets up and he rolls over and then the lady voice takes off right she's like now I'm laying there like should I have sex with him should I not well if I just had sex with him I'd probably be asleep by now already actual quote from this talk <laughs> <laughs> wow
1: because now real. she
0: riddle real is so real this isn't a christian conversation this was just being given to christian women at the time but this is like it's mind-blowing to me that this was like a talk though a pep talk this is like a female pep talk
1: <laughs> i mean it's everywhere like that <laughs> conversation around sex is Ooh. like everywhere
0: it's so bad Ooh. and it's always the woman's fault and I just want to break this down. A little tapping <laughs> <laughs> at the level of your excitement for me. I definitely don't want to fuck you right now. You know, like me either. <laughs> yeah. Like my version. Like, like, hello, are you home? <laughs> <laughs> Can my penis come over? I was yeah. like oh my God, <laughs> get out of here. No. no. Keep your penis away from me. I don't want it near me. You know, so she. It was sad to me because she was spiraling <laughs> this conversation through shame. Oh. Like, she's not a good partner. She's not being this. She's oh. not that. Because in this context, your partner's ability to have sex is you, right? And you are preventing your partner, who is a good person, who works very hard for you. And needs <laughs> that sexual and he release sexual when needs it. A release. <laughs> it's like, oh.
1: I That's just so whole,
0: real. That's not
1: even exaggeration. That uh, is like, I feel like probably 90% of really. the population's conversation actually behind closed doors that we don't actually tell each other about or we chit chat about it over coffee or book club. <laughs> <laughs>
0: book club. <laughs> like, oh, but you said that to you too? Me too. I kind of like never really talking about it though. It's like, yeah, so. You know, it's like one of those things where like I, this, but he, that, you know, it's just like a phase. We're, we're going to get like through
1: working. out We have little kids. It's, you know, we'll it's, get through this.
0: We've been married five <laughs> years already. You know, we have debt. It's like, like fine. Everything's yeah, I think are just like
1: extra stressful right now, but like we'll get, well, it'll, it'll work itself out. It'll iron itself out. You have just
0: been drinking a little bit, it's not a big deal.
1: <laughs> oh, that was a good one. That was
0: good. That was good. <laughs> But you can't talk about the truth because you're an object. You can't have boundaries. You're trying to talk about your anxiety. You're trying to talk about your feelings. But it's like this idea that to talk about these things, one, you betray your partner. And two, you betray the illusion you're creating on Instagram, you know? So it's like you're having genuine feelings. You're having genuine anxiety. And literally everyone in relationship is having the exact same feelings as you to some degree. But none of us can admit it. None of us are capable of stepping out of objectification in context of our relationship, stepping into our humanity and just being real. And when I was married, I think I was just too real for marriage. (laughs) So I got a bumper sticker, too real for marriage. (laughs) Too real for marriage. Or maybe it's a t-shirt. But I like that. I like it too. I mean, I think like I just hit a wall, like an a literal physical wall in my marriage. I was like, I cannot. Yeah. (laughs) Like I just am sitting here sinking in my humanity. I don't know what to do. You know, I like I can't cling to the concept of a wife. I can't even cling to the concept of our relationship because I don't know what any of it actually means. Having a just like a really intense conversation with my own objectification without even fully understanding that that's what it was. Just knowing I felt like so horrible and, um, and just knowing like once I stepped away, I couldn't step back. There was no (laughs) stepping back over the line. Mm -hmm. You know, I just like sunk on the other side and found all of the weight, of the stories, you know, and I, I didn't know how to sort it out. I didn't know what to do with that weight, but I just knew I had, I was like, okay, I'm just holding it though, <laughs> because I cannot I like go pretend. Back. <laughs> yeah. It's like, once you see something, yeah. you cannot unsee it. Yeah. And that That's was a that hard moment. place to be. Yeah.
1: a Really hard place to be. So last night I went on this Tinder date and it was like, i had had like half a beer. Or something. And I was like, I just want to say this right now. I'm actually not having sex in my life. <laughs> I'm like, not having sex right now. Cause he was like getting flirty, you know, he's like getting hand, kind of handsy, like, you know, touching my shoulder, you know, whatever. And I'm like, um, I just want to say this. <laughs> he's like, oh, okay. Um, t- <laughs> like, tell, tell me more about that. You know, uh, what is that about? You know, and so we started talking about it. And then then things got real. Then things got really fun. And we had a really fun time, like a really great conversation when sex was off the table. Like it was not, it was just like a, Oh, this is not happening in my life right now. I'm just not feeling it. Like, I just want to like be in love basically with like the best person ever. And if it's not that for me, then it's not going to work out. I can't, I was like, I literally cannot get wet. I, it's not that. I cannot get wet if it's not like the biggest thing. So I just can't, (laughs) I can't have sex anymore. He's like, are you, he's like, well, there is that conversation around aging. I was like, oh no. I was like, I am very, very sexually alive. (laughs) I am very activated, but I am just not interested in like this low level
0: connection. Right. Well, it's like, I don't know if, he knows that it's 2021 and penises are optional for sex. You know, it's like, I can have sex. I just am choosing to have sex, not with other people.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Not with other people. I am going to sit in my Kundalini yoga practice, like <laughs> oh fucking orgasm <laughs> sitting there with my breath. I'm like, got my windows open. I'm like living in this semi-conservative neighborhood, which is really annoying. Actually, there's lots of things to say about that, which I will not share, but I like sit and I'm like moaning. I like have, to, I have to moan through so many of these exercises. And I'm like, Oh my God, this is like, I am like having an orgasm without the like culmination. It's like, that's how it feels in my body. I'm like, so if you, if you don't make me moan, sitting. I'm not moaning, talking to you.
0: Talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to just go home and sit in my meditation room. Coming into new awareness around my internalized objectification post-marriage, just feeling really turned off by others and, uh, but not feeling turned off, you know, it was like, This is where objectification culture and like your humanity are at odds. Objectification is you can only be sexual if someone is acting upon you. And a a lot of women struggle with this. It's like, you can't just choose your sexuality. You can't choose the person in front of you. You have to be chosen. You can't just like have sex with yourself <laughs> you can't have this experience on your own it has to be with a partner right and so I'm sitting in this place of like I don't know I just I, I could probably go my whole life with ever, without ever having sex with another person again something I read during that time it was this woman's account of her just sitting and having an orgasm and I was like that sounds incredible <laughs> I would like to experience that. During this time, I was in this very intensive, like meditative state, like 80% of my day, I was really going for it. And uh, so I was like, yeah, I'm going to also meditate on this. It just, it was weird. Like, I didn't know how to go about that. You know, I was like, okay, I guess I'm just like meditating about an orgasm. Like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. But I'm open to it. <laughs> One day, I can't remember, something like upset me actually. I was like mad and I like went in. And I don't know what was like the magic series of events that like culminated to this like very magical experience in my body. But I'm like meditating and then I just like felt this surge and I was like, okay like moving towards it and then I had (laughs) moved
1: towards the surge
0: three (laughs) orgasms sitting completely still. Oh my god. Like and that's when I was like fuck it all dude. (laughs) Fuck society. I was like I could just sit and have an orgasm right. Women's bodies have been considered defunct male bodies, right? Like the clitoris has been a defunct penis. (laughs) Or the vagina is an inside out penis, like 1970. Someone's like, maybe we should study the female body for its own sake. You know, that's not that long ago. And And it's not
1: like it's been like a liberated study of the female body. It's like a highly controlled one, you know?
0: It's the 2010s that someone finally decided to actually look at what was actually happening with the clitoris. And so the full clitoris was like actually discovered like within the last decade, that's really depressing for me having this experience where I was like, Oh, I could just orgasm. I don't have to do anything except be in a certain state of mind that really changed the context of like female sexuality for me. And honestly, human sexuality, because I believe like a man could do this too. Like this isn't like only women, (laughs) you know, any human could actually have this experience. You know, culturally, we're looking at sexual suppression pretty intensely through church, state, these different things. And so it's like, what is your actual potential? What are you right. actually capable of? And not just like orgasmically. What are you capable of? You don't even know. If you're an object, you have no idea what your potential is. And uh when I've You know, talking to other women, talking to other humans about these different ideas. It's, I think initially when we hear like something like this, and this was true for me back, you know, in my 20s, I'm like, oh, that must just be for other people because I can't even feel like any resonance that this could be possible for me. You know, so it's just. That's common. Yeah, but I think. I don't know. It's not even like you can orgasm just sitting still, but it's like, what could you do actually? What could happen for you? <laughs> like,
1: well, yeah. And I think we shut down around that. Like we don't really see a pathway to a thing. And so we just consider it impossible. There's this um, podcast I started listening to It's the 10% happier podcast with Dan Harris. And it's an interview with Michael Pollan. And it's about how psychedelics could be like a gateway to meditation and opening up the pathway to the possible Mm -hmm. so (laughs) if you want to like learn a little bit about it like that that could be a good podcast to listen to it's worthwhile to examine how to open up pathways into things you think are impossible like if if you ever think something is impossible that's like a place to look at like why is it impossible
0: what is blocking you from that possibility right Right. It's like the things we push away so fiercely, they trigger us the most intensely. And why is this a trigger? Because so many things are being broadcasted at you constantly that don't trigger you. You don't even like have a a thought about them. I think there's reasons for the trigger. Shame being the biggest. Failure. Failure. Also, sense of I'm already performing to the best of my ability. You know, like get the fuck out of here. You're telling me I need to perform higher. I feel like the conversation right now around female sexuality is yeah, a lot of it's that. It's like, no, actually, every woman can have an orgasm vaginally. Mm -hmm. You know, (laughs) and like a woman who isn't having a vaginal orgasms, like, get the fuck out of here. Like, you don't know what's happening for me in my body, you know. And It compounds like a sense of pressure to perform. It's compounding a sense of shame. I don't think that those are necessarily helpful conversations unless you've been able to set aside objectification and step more towards your humanity. I do believe at that juncture, there is a possibility of curiosity. There's capacity for curiosity. And you might be like, this is bullshit for me. And that's cool. If you're staying in lady voice land, you have no options. You just need to put that lingerie on. There are no pathways. There. Yeah. there's yeah.
1: no. Path. Everything is a dead end. Like no matter how much you perform, it's all going to be a dead end in that place.
0: When your partner gives you that little tap on the back,
1: <laughs> you roll
0: over. That, <laughs> that like hurts my body. <laughs>
1: even roll that? over, open your
0: legs. Get it over close with. your eyes. Yeah. Oh God. Oh, God. That's God. really depressing. It's real. I can't. Yeah, it's real. It's so it, happens. it happens every day, all the time. So when it comes to objectification and sex, I think it's helpful to be aware of the places you cannot have curiosity regarding your sexuality. I think it's helpful to become aware of where you're feeling a sense of shame and a need to perform. And I think it's helpful to go to this place where it's like, well, if there were no rules, like there are no rules, like what would I be feeling about this? And I, I think it's a really big leap to be like, well, if there were no rules because there this other voice, the societal voice jumps in like we we'll, you'll have sex with everybody and you'll probably murder someone and you'll do that <laughs> I'm like Dah! you know it's like this sort of hysterical voice like we need the rules but if you are like okay that voice isn't real either so what is real for you like if you could have your perfect experience And it's with your partner, you you don't even have to be imagining this with someone else, but maybe you are, I don't know, no judgment. If you're like, what would I need right now to have this experience, you know? And it's probably presence. (laughs) I'm going to assume presence is in there. Feeling your partner's presence. When we are in co-creation with someone, we are present in that experience, because there is no sense of obligation. There is no sense of like getting locked down. There is no sense that I need to give myself up to be here. And that means it's like a willing participation and it's exciting. Like you want to be there. You want to be present to what's going on. Give yourself an opportunity Give yourself some space to meditate on what would that feel like for you and how to broach that with your partner (laughs) and recognizing that when you broach this conversation with your partner, their shame response is going to be triggered. How do you have space for that? And how do you, like, if you're truly committed to working towards co-creation, how do you have space for your partner's shame (laughs) and how do you like hold that? space, all of it, you know, and not just by yourself, you know, like this person has to be getting on board or it's not going to work. This isn't just a one person job in a relationship. You are a person who is interested in exploring some of this. Layla Martin, she Uh she does have videos where she is coming at sex through this like tantric spiritual more holistic place um I think a lot of it's still like geared towards male gaze personally I'm just gonna throw that in uh That's a good but intro It's like, a good intro too but it is possible. a good place to start yeah like if you don't know where to go her videos are a good place to start and uh, there's other people out there um but if you get her channel going on YouTube they will all be suggested to you <laughs> So start there. Find your way. <laughs> yeah, you will find your way. But uh, just if you don't know what to imagine for yourself, you can't see it. You know, <laughs> you have this yearning in your body, in your soul, for something more, and you're not wrong for that. You know, anyone on both sides of the relationship dynamic, you're not wrong for wanting more. There is way more to the human experience than what we're being fed culturally so and usually
1: what than what we can see Mm -hmm. there's so much more than what we can even see or yeah like you said imagine yeah so thanks for joining us today for this conversation around sex and relationships and how the lady voice shows up we look forward to More conversation soon.